Hey everybody, it's Leslie, back again for another episode of 20 Minute Fitness. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for stopping by. We always love new listeners. And if you didn't know, the 20 Minute Fitness Podcast is produced every Thursday for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.20minute.fitness. Also, make sure to rate and review this podcast as it helps us out a lot, and we actually have an amazing fitness gear giveaway going on for anybody who reviews the podcast. All you have to do is review the podcast on iTunes, send that screenshot to podcast at 20minute.fitness, and you'll be entered in to win a 13 hundred dollar grand prize with uh contributions from brands like hydroflask fitness tracking crave jerky gainful protein um gooder running sunglasses oliver's running apparel uh, some really great brands and um, it's as easy as just reviewing this podcast so um, a link to that will also be included in our show notes and as always, the 20-Minute Fitness Podcast is powered by ShapeScale. ShapeScale is a 3D body scanner, scale, and fitness tracker, all rolled into one. Uh, you step on it, and it digitizes your body composition in photorealistic 3D. Now available on pre-order on shapescale.com. So on this week's episode of 20-Minute Fitness, we have a very exciting guest, Paul Shapiro. Paul is the author of Clean Meat a book about the race to create cleaner, safer, sustainable meat, real meat, actual meat, without the animals. So if you're curious as to what that looks like or what that even means, then continue listening. It's absolutely fascinating. So when Paul took his first bite of clean meat in 2014, more humans had gone to space than had eaten real meat grown outside of an animal. In addition to being among the world's first clean meat consumers, Shapiro is a four-time TEDx speaker, a longtime leader in food sustainability, and Paul has published hundreds of articles in publications ranging from daily newspapers to academic journals about clean meat. Um, So without further ado, let's get into our interview with Paul Shapiro. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us, Paul. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Leslie. Great to be chatting with you. Uh, I wrote a book called Clean Meat, How Growing Meat Without Animals Will Revolutionize Dinner and the World. And the book explores and really chronicles the race to commercialize the world's first ever animal products that are grown without animals. So these aren't uh, like alternatives or substitutes to meat. We're not talking about plant-based meat here. We're talking about real meat grown without the need to raise and slaughter animals at all. Right. Um, so you've done, um, you've written a book about this and you've also done, um, a TED talk on this. And I heard you mention in one of your TED talks before that clean meat might even be healthier than conventional meat. Um, do you mind explaining that? Oh, sure. So there's lots of ways that you can think about it. So first off, it's called clean meat. Uh, One is a nod to clean energy because it's just so much more efficient to produce this kind of meat. In fact, one study published out of Oxford found that producing meat this way, while it produces exactly the same kind of meat down to the cellular level, that we eat today, it takes 99% less land, uh, more than 90% fewer greenhouse gas emissions, more than 90% less water, and so on. So it's much more efficient. But in addition to being like clean energy, it's also clean meat, literally speaking. So if you think about raw meat today, uh, we really have to treat it almost like toxic waste uh, because it has feces on it. We are warned to spray down counters if raw meat has touched them. You don't want to have them in the same uh, grocery bag as the rest of your groceries. And that's because there are pathogens like E. coli or salmonella or campylobacter on the meat that if we don't cook the crap out of it, literally, mm-hmm. it can sicken us. Mm-hmm. And so what happens uh, with clean meat, though, is that you don't have to worry so much about those type of intestinal pathogens because we're not growing intestines at all. Uh, just growing the meat without the intestines, you don't need to worry so much about intestinal pathogens. So in that way, it's uh, better from a food safety perspective. And then finally, you can also imagine 
if you have that type of a control down to the cellular level, you can also control what type of fat is in it. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, right now you have uh, red meat that has a lot of saturated fat, which as we know uh, is really not that good for us. Uh, However, what if we could make hamburgers that instead of having saturated fat had the type of omega-3 fatty acids that we find in, let's say, like flax seeds or or fish. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you could have a hamburger that instead Mm -hmm. of uh, causing heart attacks, it actually prevents them. Those are just some of the possibilities you have with clean meat production. Right. And so could you walk us through, you know, a simplified version of how, you know, um, taking one biopsy of, let's say, a cow cell um, and how that goes from, um, you know, creating marketable clean meat? Yeah, sure. So it's really cool. And it's uh, pretty simple. So imagine that you take a tiny sesame seed sized biopsy from a cow, let's say, Mm -hmm. inside of that little tiny piece of muscle, there are millions of what are called satellite cells. These are the cells that are in your body, they're in my body, they're in the cow's body, their sole career in life is to become more muscle. That's Mm -hmm. all they do. They're just sitting there waiting to produce more muscle. If you do a hard workout, if you get injured or bruised, Mm -hmm. they go in and build more muscle. And so in the same exact way that those cells would build more muscle within the animal's body, we now have the ability to put those cells inside of a cultivator, which replicates the the environment of the animal's body. So the cells do exactly what they would do were they still inside the body. That is, they produce more muscle. So that's how you go from a biopsy to producing actual muscle. And this is very similar to what we do in the medical industry already. Uh, So if you right now, let's say, burn your arm, we have the capacity to take a tiny biopsy of your skin somewhere else on your body and grow your skin, not just any human skin, but your actual skin Mm -hmm. to replace it so that you don't have to take grafts from, you know, your buttocks or other parts of your body that for decades that's been a practice. Now we can grow human skin. And in the same way we can grow human skin, we can grow cattle skin. Uh, we can grow cattle meat, uh, the same thing with turkeys and ducks and pigs and fish. And so you're looking at a new type of agriculture, cellular agriculture, where we produce the same foods that we eat today, except with a far, far lighter footprint on the planet. Mm-hmm. So essentially, if you could, you know, theoretically, or if you could grow cow skin, then you could make leather. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So there's a company called Modern Meadow Mm -hmm. that is based in New York, and that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, They are growing what they call Zoa, which is a type of uh, leather Mm -hmm. that um, doesn't involve using cows at all. Uh, It is real collagen, as in, you know, the collagen that's in a cow skin, Mm -hmm. uh, but they're growing it without the need for cows. And in fact, uh, very coolly, one company called Geltor even made a clean leather bound copy of the book Clean Meat. <laughs> and so this is the uh, the first time ever that a book has been bound in real leather that was grown without an animal. And we auctioned the book off on eBay as a really a historic um, a historic piece of the cellular agriculture industry's history. Mm-hmm. And uh, one lucky bidder won it for uh, thirteen thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! <laughs> all proceeds and all proceeds went to the Good Food Institute, a nonprofit organization that supports the cellular agriculture industry. Oh, nice. Well, that's great. Um, and I heard you mention before, um, you know, the meat industry is one of our environment's, you know, biggest threats. Um, could you explain why that is and how clean meat um, could be an answer to that? Sure. So right now, if you think about climate change and human uh, human induced greenhouse gas emissions, oftentimes we'll think about things like cars or planes. And sure, those are big problems. However, 
According to the United Nations, animal agriculture, excuse me, animal agriculture contributes more to greenhouse gas emissions than all of our transportation sector combined. Mm-hmm. More than cars, trains, planes, boats, trucks, all combined. Mm-hmm. Animal agriculture is also a leading cause of rainforest destruction, air, water, and soil pollution, and more. It puts us at great risk of a global pandemic from an avian flu or a swine flu or maybe some combination thereof. There's all types of public health reasons why animal agriculture is really presenting serious problems for us. Now, we could simply eat less meat or no meat. Those are both great options. There's a proliferating market for plant-based meats as well, which are um, meats that taste like meat but are made from plants that are fantastic. But I do think that some people really want what they consider the so-called real thing. And for those people, clean meat is a great solution to this problem. It's not yet on the market, but that's only a matter of years, not decades away, because big food companies like Tyson and Cargill are now investing in companies like Memphis Meats that are producing clean meat. Right. So, you know, roughly how soon do you think we will be seeing clean meat in our grocery stores and on our menus? <laughs> Great question, Leslie. So that, that's really the multimillion dollar question. Um, so, you know, ever since the uh, this field really got started, people, have, experts have been saying, oh, maybe five years, maybe five years. And every time you ask them, it's well, maybe five years, no matter what year it is. Uh, but now it's looking like they're closing in on that. And so you have some companies like Just, which used to be Hampton Creek, asserting that they're actually going to have some sales of their clean meat before the end of the calendar year 2018. Now, they're not saying it's going to be mass produced, but they are saying they'll have some sales of it, at least. Mm -hmm. Other companies are saying that maybe by 2020 or by 2021, they intend to be on the market with theirs. But, you know, we're looking here at a matter of years, not decades. Mm -hmm. This used to be considered science fiction, and now it's science fact. I mean, I've already eaten clean beef, duck, fish, liver, chorizo, yogurt, and more. And so if I am eating them, and I don't even work for these companies, Mm -hmm. lots of other people are now sampling them, and they're recognizing that this isn't a fantasy. Mm-hmm. This is real. It's being done today. And the costs are coming way down really quickly, such that it's very likely that we will have clean meat uh, in the foreseeable future. Right. And so, um, you know, having sampled uh, clean animal products like, you know, beef, fish and duck, um, do you have a favorite or maybe most interesting <laughs> uh, meal of clean meat that you've eaten? Uh, they're all very different. I will say probably the most interesting was actually eating foie gras at Just. Mm-hmm. Um you know, foie gras is French for fatty liver. Um, it's probably the most controversial animal product on the planet because it involves uh, an extreme amount of, of animal cruelty to mm-hmm. produce. In fact, so much so that a dozen nations have banned it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's illegal even to sell it in California if it, uh, because of the animal welfare concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, just is producing clean foie gras, and um, that would be quite an interesting thing to commercialize. But I ate it. And, you know, I never tried actual foie gras, so I don't know how it tasted, but it tastes very good to me. I did enjoy it. <laughs> and um, and uh, I think that it would be an interesting introductory product for the market. Um, but I also thought that Finless Foods, which is a company, as it sounds, making clean fish, uh, they served up some uh, very interesting uh, fish croquettes that I thought were quite excellent and enjoyed. They just closed a funding round where they raised three and a half million dollars and they are uh, rapidly uh, swimming toward uh, toward commercialization, unintended. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, I'm just curious as to like in my head, I'm thinking about, you know, um, these cells growing and everything. And in my head, I'm just picturing these labs of cubes of perfectly uh, <laughs> square meat and things like that. So what does that process look like? What does this meat look like? Yeah. So think less of a lab and think more of a brewery. Okay. So um, cell culture is how this is produced. And it's kind of similar to what you would expect. So let's say you go into a Sam Adams brewery. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going, yes, you're going to see somebody in a white lab coat, some microbiologist PhD in a, in a white lab coat walking around with a clipboard maybe. 
Um, and the same is so here. You can imagine a brewery, but instead of brewing microorganisms that are yeasts that are producing alcohol, you would have microorganisms that are cells producing muscle. And we already do this in a number of other applications. So, uh, for example, it used to be the case that diabetics had to use insulin that was taken from pig and cattle pancreases. Uh, now we simply synthesize that insulin and it's real human insulin that we grow for them. So it's much safer and much more efficient. Uh, they can actually use real human insulin without having to use any humans at all. Uh, and similarly, just like we can grow human insulin, we can now grow um, uh, muscle from animals. And that's what you would envision. So think about like a big brewery and um, then imagine nice, pristine, safe meat churning right out of it. Right. Uh, wow, that's quite that's quite a futuristic image. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so um, there may be a side to, you know, this debate where people could say that it might be unethical or even unnatural to grow meat outside of the organism's body. So how would you mm -hmm. respond to that? Well, I would just ask them to consider how we produce meat today mm -hmm. and just contemplate, just take chicken as one example. Uh, you know, right now, uh, nearly all of the chickens who we use for meat are genetically selected to grow so big, so fast that many of them have difficulty walking more than a few steps. They live in their own feces inside of windowless warehouses where they're overcrowded. They never see the sun. They never step foot on a blade of grass. And when it's time to take them to slaughter, most people would rather not think about what happens then. So when you consider just how inhumane and unsustainable our current methods of meat production are, clean meat starts seeming like a naturally preferable option. So it's not to suggest that this is somehow uh, uh, natural in the sense that we've been doing it for thousands of years. Um, but then again, neither is using air conditioning or email or uh, eating nearly any of the food that we eat today, which is all the product of artificial selection. And I don't mean genetic modification necessarily, but artificial selection that we've been doing for millennia. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you look at, as just one example, the banana, which the banana we eat today resembles in, in nearly no way the original banana that was wild before we domesticated it. It's like resembles a banana in the same way a chihuahua resembles a wolf. Uh, there, yes, one led to the other, but through artificial selection, you have a very different product. So um, we've already gone down that road. What's unethical and, un and unsustainable might be uh, more appropriately describing our current methods of meat production rather than uh, actually divorcing meat production from livestock raising. Uh, because the animal welfare concerns, the environmental concerns, the public health concerns, the food safety concerns are really quite massive with the current way that we're doing it. Right. A big thank you to our sponsor for this episode, which is Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company that includes everything you need to easily cook delicious meals that you can feel good about. So what else makes Green Chef different other than being USDA certified organic is that it offers some amazing meal plans that will really work for your diet. Uh, whether it's paleo, vegan, vegetarian, keto, gluten-free, omnivore, or carnivore, those are all different meal plans that you can choose from from Green Chef. In fact, I just made a Green Chef meal the other night. It was veggie pad thai, and it couldn't have been easier to make. It was gluten-free. It was absolutely delicious. Um, all of Green Chef's recipes are quick and easy with step-by-step -step instructions, chef tips, and even photos to guide you along the way. And the part that I love most about it is that all of the ingredients are pre-measured, perfectly proportioned, and mostly prepped. So there's no going to the grocery store, finding a recipe, trying to figure it out, prepping all this food, wasting some food. 
Um, there was no waste. I got to just make the meal in less than 30 minutes and it was absolutely amazing. And each ingredient is thoughtfully sourced and its journey is tracked from planting to plating, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Green Chef thinks dinner should be planned around your life, not the other way around. And with Green Chef, it's easy to maintain a specialty diet and enjoy exciting brand new options every single week. So if you want $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us slash 20fit for $50 off your first box. And again, that's greenchef.us slash 20fit for $50 off your first box. Um, again, it couldn't be easier. Couldn't recommend it more. And so if there was one misconception um, about clean meat that you could kind of um, clear up, what would it be? Well, one might be that, you know, sometimes people refer to it as so-called lab-grown meat, which it, it may make for a good headline, but it's really not true. Right. Um, I mean, it's not being produced in a lab any more than, you know, our peanut butter is produced in a lab. Right. Yes, there, you know, major peanut butter companies have R&D labs in which they conduct experiments to try to get the best type of peanut butter. Um, but it's not really like they're like lab-grown peanut butter. I mean, it comes from a factory. That's right. where we get it. And that's the same as how we would do this. And so uh, that's probably one of the bigger misconceptions. And so there's a lot of debate, at least there was at one point, about what it ought to be called. And I think clean meat is the right term because it is both, again, a nod to clean energy and it's factually true regarding the food safety uh, aspect. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that eventually it's just going to be called meat because that's what it is. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll tell you a brief story. So in the mid-19th century, there's a huge ice shipping industry, shipping huge blocks of ice that are being harvested out of, uh, out of northern lakes and shipping it all around the world for in-home ice boxes. And you enter the advent of refrigeration, and all of a sudden you have a much more efficient way of getting ice by just cooling the water down right in front of you. Well, the ice shipping industry was livid over this technological innovation. They argued it was unnatural, it was unsafe, you didn't know if it was going to sicken you. They even called it artificial ice. Now, you and I both know it's just ice. That's it. It's just a different way. For, for millennia, I, the only way we had ice was from nature, and now we have technology that is made by humans that can produce ice for us in a much safer way. Mm -hmm. Similarly, we have only been able to get meat out of animals for many millennia, but now technology that humans have made enables us to produce meat. And just like ice from your freezer is, is ice. It's not artificial ice. It's not lab-made ice. It's mm -hmm. just ice. Mm -hmm. meat, meat grown from animal cells is meat. It's just meat. There's no difference. And so I think eventually, once this becomes the norm in the way that ice from our freezers is now the norm, and we don't think there's anything unnatural about it at all, that meat developed through cellular agriculture will just be called meat. And we'll think of it as the most, as being totally normal. And we might even be shocked that we ever did it any other way. Wow. Well, thank you so much again, Paul, for uh, joining us for this episode. Um, it was really enlightening. And um, I really can't wait um, until the day I get to try some clean meat. Um, oh, that's great of you, Leslie. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And if uh, people wanted to find you across the internet or wanted to find your book, where could they find you? You can just go to cleanmeat.com and you can contact me there or check out my Twitter there, but just go to cleanmeat.com and I'd love to hear from you and hear what you think about the book. Awesome. Well, uh, be sure to do that. And um, yeah, thanks again, Paul. Hey, thank you, Leslie. Have a great day. Awesome. Thanks. And that wraps it up for this week's episode of 20 Minute Fitness. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at shape underscore scale to share your ideas on what we should cover next or who we should interview next and find us on Instagram at shapescale. Again, thank you so much to Paul for being such an amazing guest. And if you're looking to find out more about his book, Clean Meat, uh, the link will be in our show notes. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating. And if you found the topic as interesting as I did, it makes for an absolutely uh, enlightening read as well. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed that episode and see you back here next week. Bye.